Hello, everyone. This is Mary Ann here from Revealing Light, and you're listening to Random Sage, which is my uh, new podcast. I've got something special uh, today, and that is an interview uh, and a general discussion around the collapse of the uh, two banks in America. Uh, the, the, of course, well-known one is the Silicon Valley uh, Bank, and uh, I'll talk to Jackie in a minute about that. Sorry, I want to introduce my de de uh, guest. There you go. I'll, I'll, I've got to just slow down a bit because I've had some exciting news. My first grandson is on its way. Uh, so forgive me if I'm a little bit excited, but let me introduce my first guest on my podcast. Uh, I have Jack Jacqueline Pearson here, otherwise known as my, uh, my bestie, Jackie. Um, she is a financial journalist uh, of some repute uh, and standing in Australia. Uh, she's also, a, I think, from memory, a registered um, stockbroker as well. I think you did that course, didn't you, when you were beginning? I did, I did the course, but I haven't done my no. continuing professional development. So no. No. I think my qualification would be a bit old now. Okay. Well, let's just say she knows something about the financial markets, uh, having reported on them for so long. She's a former editor of Choice. For those international viewers that don't know, Choice is a uh, our leading consumer magazine, um, an online presence in Australia. And then she wrote for Smart Investor, which is... Uh, uh, a financial publication of one of our major newspaper outlets here in Australia. She's now, I'm going to say, dedicated to uh, community journalism uh, in her own region and beyond uh, and is very much... Um, focused on what they call ESG um, uh, values uh, and ethical ethical impacts. Uh, and that's what she writes about now as well. For those that aren't familiar with the term ESG, it's environmental, social and governance. Um, sustainable and ethical impacts of everything we do. Uh, so uh, first of all, hello, Jackie, and welcome to Random Sage. Um, and how are you today? Hello, Marianne. I'm very excited about your um, first grandson too. I think it's wonderful. Congratulations. I'm sure he will arrive safely and turn your life completely upside down in the best possible way. Oh, gosh. Well, you know, it's a first for me and it's your turn next. So we, our lives usually run parallel with each other. So you <laughs> might get your turn in, in the next few years, which would be lovely, wouldn't Who it? Who knows? Who knows? Um, all right. Mm. So um, I want to talk to you first about some serious stuff. And then uh, I also want to get on to Jackie has just um, recently published a book of poetry. So we're going to talk finance, but then we're going to talk about why we should keep our reading and writing uh, and talk a little bit about poetry because Jackie's a published poet. Uh, along with being an a you know an award winning journalist as well, so um, and then of course I promised we'd do some divination on this show every every time. So I've got my tarot cards here for Jackie to ask a global humanitarian question of uh, of the tarot at the end of the show. So let's get started, Jackie. Collapse of Silicon Valley Bank. Um, we talked about earlier the Department of Justice investigating now that bank. What's the latest uh, update there? 
Well, I was reading this morning on Bloomberg, actually, that they have realised that the risk manager of the whole bank basically pulled up stumps. That's a bit of an Australianism, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Um, Last April, she didn't leave the bank until October, but she stopped fulfilling her risk assessment role in April. Now, that coincided with the collapse of FTX, which was a cryptocurrency ran by Sam Bankman-Fried, who appears to have fried his bank. Um, it's It doesn't surprise me that SBB got itself into trouble. It has been described as the favourite bank of cryptocurrency operators and their lawyers. What remains to be seen is whether it's going to infect other organisations. It's the second biggest bank collapse in US history. Wow. So, so it's no, it's no certainly... No, it's no small matter. And I noted that the commentator who predicted the collapse of Lehman Brothers is now raising concerns about Credit Suisse. Credit Suisse has just reported it's a Zurich-based major, major financial institution, and it has just reported that it has found some problematic internal management problems from um, the last two years. Mm. Well, that was going that to be good. That, that was going to be that could be interesting. Too. Now, yeah. Will it roll? The other interesting thing about these banks is that some of them in the list that I've seen on Bloom, Bloomberg this morning have connections to Russian oligarchs uh-huh. and the bleeding of uh, Communist Party money right back from the late 90s mm. when Putin was in St Petersburg basically setting himself up to to take over um, the, f- the first wave of emptying the state coffers into external banks was in all over the world, including banks in New York and and. I, I think I even saw BNP Paribas there. There's some major Western names. They must have all decided that Russia was going to suddenly overnight become capitalist and it was worth taking on their money no matter how uh, grubby it was. So whether or not the sudden crisis hitting some of these Western banks has anything to do with Russia needing to get its money out to to keep fighting Ukraine, Mm. I'm not sure about, but it's definitely worth keeping an eye on. Well, that's a question. Uh, that's a question we can ask um, uh, on uh, on my YouTube videos whether or not this is has anything to do with that. Now, just following up on that, um, I have uh, been letting my viewers know that um, I have felt Russia's been in dire trouble. It's been feeding dodgy information to the IMF um, and they got called out on it. Uh, We had an international economic expert just basically debunk what Russia's doing. And I felt, you know, when you have soldiers on the front line, Russian soldiers, Wagner soldiers, whoever, saying that they can't get ammunition, um, then, you know, 
Putin stopped taking calls from uh, the head of the Wagner mercenary group. Uh, I think Russia's got huge financial issues and that would make sense. The other aspect that the viewers are asking me about, of course, is cryptocurrency because the Signature Bank in New York was heavily uh, investing into cryptocurrency. You you brought up um, the, what did they call him, Crypto King, uh, his demise. Um, yeah, Sam Bankman fried. Mm. Mm. Got fried. Got fried. Do you think? Um, it's a, so that was F. Do you think that it's a was FTX? Sorry, I was just going to say. Do you think it's a combination like a perfect storm of events that's taken down this what second major bank to fail in the U.S. history? That's a big statement. Well, crypt cryptocurrency is really interesting because the underlying blockchain technology is incredibly stable and could be used and, and probably is used in mainstream banking to secure and um, underpin good governance because once you add something to the blockchain, it's there forever. However, like any new commoditized, traded financial instrument, whether it's uh, dodgy home loans, which we saw in 2008, or the latest, which is cryptocurrency, you are always going to get gambling and you are always going to get huge rallies and collapses. And That's the, the nature yeah. of markets. Yeah. Mm. So I'm not surprised by the collapse. I'm not surprised that banks have been bought into it. I'm also not surprised that we were told following the global financial crisis that uh, capital reform of banks across the world would prevent this sort of thing from happening again. Now, my theory has always been since the global financial crisis that the elements of the system, including the uh, automation, basically markets are now run by robots, mm. Mm. and algorithms, mm. the automation of markets is almost ahead, well, it is well ahead of regulation. Yeah. Can't keep up. Yeah. Well, and we know, um, we know in the Trump era that the Obama uh, regulations that would have prevented this sort of collapse, uh, he removed, he removed. And if, if if this has a link to Russian oligarch money, um, then we know probably why Trump acted in the way that he did because, um, you know, everything, what did uh, Hillary Clinton love or hate her? She said, um, or love or dislike her, I don't dislike her, I quite like her, but uh, she said all roads lead back to Russia. And they do. And Trump and Putin are friends. Mm. Right back from Trump's um, casino days, you know, mm. he, he was opening up his doors to oligarchs mm. very close to Putin. Yeah. So if there was a change of government in America, uh, certainly I believe, and the GOP has already been saying, that potentially looking after or, or helping the Ukraine would not be a high priority. Now, I, I read that as um, flipping almost, yeah. the, you know, the um, a conservative the government. 
Yeah. The odd thing about this is that Russia is not even uh, a heavyweight economic power. It's got good uh, oil and gas reserves, but its economies, you know, it's never been, it's always been reasonably, apart from this siphoning off of state money to the oligarchs, you know, the actual eco- people's economy has never, it's not a big economic power, but it has the, uh, I guess, the influence um, uh, of, you know, pretty much nefari- in nefarious ways. Uh, and it it's quite ironic that the GOP is quite happy to go into bed with that kind of nefarious energy there or influence. Mm-hmm. But I Yeah, want- and the connection the connection to Western banking is fascinating, <laughs> really. Yeah. Uh, the way the way Putin's St. Petersburg power base managed to connect with the big Western banks and and not so and mid-range Western banks and siphon out that money in fake companies and to individuals. So I agree. I don't think that the people of Russia have a very strong economy at all. I think not dissimilar to the West We've got a two-speed world now where we're almost back to feudalism. The mm. top 5% live very nicely and the rest of us, are, 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 uh, we're allowed to have our little comforts, but really we're economic slaves. Mm. Yes. How's um, that for a statement? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a statement, a statement and a half. Uh, <laughs> uh, that I guess uh, that can be, I think people would be really familiar with the um, the actual real life outcomes of trickle down economics uh, and how that hasn't worked for the people, but that's a whole nother discussion, and we haven't got a lot of time. And I want to get on to one of the most important subjects to your heart, my heart. Uh, just briefly, Jackie and I met um, at university uh, in the uh, writing sub major uh, class, uh, and. Uh, and we've been friends ever since, some some odd 30 years or over 30 years. Um, Jackie's just had a book, a poetry book published called Mother's Song by Ginandera Press, an independent press in Australia. Uh, and I want to get on to that question. First of all, why do you think um, it's good for our soul um, and our hearts to keep reading and writing? I think that humanity's most amazing gift is that of storytelling, of giving meaning to ourselves and those around us through language. Now, traditionally, that was oral, that was spoken storytelling. But the connection between the mind or the soul and the hand and the pen is an incredibly, I find it still an incredibly moving and, gee, an experience that comes from a higher realm. Mm. I I really do feel blessed to have that 
ability and sometimes I feel like I'm just the vessel for for the stories that end up on the page. Mm. Um, And I, I think it unites us and I think it is part of our uniqueness that is probably the best of us as humans. Mm. Now, it should. It should give us wisdom and that's why I continue to read and that's why I continue to write in pursuit of wisdom, well, hoping because... that in some small way. Sorry, finish finish what you're going to say. No, no, hoping that in some small way um, out of what I read I grow more wise and, and a better human being and out of what I write someone picks it up and gets influenced by it and they become a better human being. Well, of course, Jackie, in some places in the world, one would expect from a fascist state, um, but in some of the red governed states, Republican states in the US, they're actually banning books. And I know that's a whole um, a whole nother uh, conversation about how uh, and why fascist states or fascist governments, authoritarian governments begin. But suffice to say, I think you summed it up when you said the, you know, gives and giving and receiving uh, wisdom. Um, Why we should continue to read and write uh, is because it is a, uh, it's, it's a communication that, we do and we and and we receive that actually educates increases our awareness and uh helps us evolve at the soul level and they're all the things that an authoritarian regime doesn't want you to do because then you will speak out uh and then we so then we go to the the authors like um uh George Orwell uh in a way we we t- you talk about it being prophetic um well, Jung would say it actually comes from the same place as d- divination does. It's the reservoir uh, that the the science can't quantify. The imagination is just the term that they use. Um, so, George Orwell. I, I know that. I have. I have no doubt. I have no doubt that that it, that's where it comes from. All right. And you go. No, I was just going to say um, uh, I wanted to talk specifically about the poetry form. Uh, I mean, I know like we've got we've got like about 10 hours of audio here if we let ourselves go. It's really hard <laughs> to rein it in. <laughs> I'm trying um, because I know we, we're on limited, uh, we've got limited time here. But I wanted to talk to you about the we poetry. We do like a good yarn, don't we? Uh, we do does. like a good yarn. It does. Wait till we introduce the wine uh, and then see what happens. It just takes off. There'll be no no. Let's not do that. <laughs> so tell me about your your poetry book and uh, and why you chose po- poetry because you're in one way an orthodox writer with your journalism. Um, well, let's say not so orthodox, uh, but you can be with your journalism. <laughs> Uh, poetry. What do? Why poetry? I know you were a beautiful poet in our writing classes. I had so much admiration for you. But poetry, and tell me about mother's mother's song. Uh, I didn't choose poetry. Poetry chose me. Ah. Um, I can still recite the first poem I wrote when I was about six. Do you want me to? It's really brief. 
What is money? It is great. Is it great? It buys honey. It can buy a mate. But there's one thing that money can't buy. It can't buy love and love is the sky. And I was six when I wrote that. Mm. And from that moment on, I think I was just, well, I I was brought up in that um, Anglo tradition of nursery rhymes and storytelling and singing and church choir and reading psalms, you know. So there, there was verse in my life most definitely from before I was born. But I think that that first experience of writing poetry, and I don't write writing, I don't write rhyming poetry as an adult, set me on a path of, of just munching through as, as many children's poetry books as I could get my hands on. And then my tastes evolved from that. And I really love Judith Wright, who is an Australian poet. And I also love William Blake, you know. Mm. So there's there's a bit of a spectrum there. Mm. But Mother's Song, I've always written poetry and I've always written it on scraps of paper usually. And so my poetry has travelled through this life with me. And when it came to lockdown, I had a bit of time on my hands. I'd been in a toxic, unsuitable job and decided to leave. At that time, I also made the decision to transition from strictly um, traditional journalism to activist writing. And I found I had the time to pull together a manuscript. Mm. So it covers the period 2000 to 2020. Mm. And it's really a volume about being a Generation X woman Mm. Uh, being a mother and of the generation of women that were the daughters of the first wave feminists who mm-hmm. were better narrative that we could be highly educated, have our careers and still be mothers and wives and all the rest of it. Mm. And th- that that's the main theme. I, I also do write nature poetry because I love I love nature. I love the ocean and it is my major source of inspiration. And I I write political poems too. There's poems in there about uh, Afghanistan, about Fallujah, about how we treat immigrants and asylum seekers in Australia. So it's a pretty broad uh, narrative and I... I'm pretty happy with it and can't wait to do the next one. Okay. Um, I'll leave a link to it underneath the um underneath the um this video or this no, it's not a video, this podcast. So if people want to uh find it, you can. Um now I, I we're kind of nearly ending the um the podcast now. Um I've always allotted myself a particular time and uh and I'm trying to stick to it. As I said, I'll bring Jackie back. So this is not the last we've heard from Jackie. But Jackie, tell me, uh, what question would you like to ask Spirit? I, I promise my, oh my goodness. Um, well, there's one very technical question which aligns to my environmental uh, obsession, which is can we keep global warming to 1.5 degrees or is it already too late? All right. uh, the other is, of course, the other is, of course, please let us not be heading to major war. All right. So well, take let, your pick. Okay. Well, let's do the major war um, 
because I've I think I've recently just done something on on uh, the climate and and doomsday. I think I did pick that, but as I said, I'll bring you back. So we've got plenty of time uh, in the future. So are we heading for a major war? God, please, God, are we heading for uh, a major war? I don't know if I want to know the answer, Marianne. Are we heading for a major war? All right, so we've got the Queen of Swords. No, um, she queens, obviously, the feminine, always bring uh, deep, uh, deep stability uh, that uh, only women can. And uh, there's wisdom here and there's logic. That's what she represents. Um, so uh, we've got new starts. So um, again, when Pluto moves into Aquarius later on this month, a lot's going to change in the next decade. We're doing, we're finishing off with this Pluto and Capricorn financial, trickle-down economics. This is about people power and people are going to start fighting back. Now, the thing is we've got, we need to be patient um, because uh, it's, it's not a quick fix. Um, but I don't see, uh, I don't see, I don't see war. Uh, I think we're going to reconcile with the past, that's for sure. And there's going to be a lot of regret over allowing Putin to do what he's done in Ukraine. But ultimately it comes back to that poem that you wrote when you were small about love is the sky. Um, it's it's around we want to love our families, we want to love our friends, and we want to live in peace. And there is enough of us to do that because um, now I've got both the king and queen of air. Um, there's going to be... Uh, a reckoning uh, with people like Putin. There's going to be a reckoning with uh, Silicon Valley Bank and and uh, the uh, you know the 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 Trumps of the this world because they threaten our stability, and that's what counts at the end of the day. Now I'm going to wrap this up. So um, I just want to thank you, Jackie. I'll leave a link uh, in the description of the podcast to uh, Mother's Song by Jacqueline Pearson, published by Gin Dare Press. So if you want to find it, you can. Uh, and I'll bring Jackie back and uh, maybe we'll extend the podcast uh, for a little bit longer so we can have a good natter. And maybe this time we bring some wine. Jackie, what do you think? All right. I've got a cup of tea, but wine sounds like a good idea. <laughs> we'll do it. We'll record it tonight. So thank you very much, Jackie. Um, hang around and I'll talk to you in a minute and I'll finish uh, the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your support. Thank you, Jackie. And to new uh, listeners, welcome, welcome, welcome. <laughs>